At Kroger, everyone wins when it comes to saving big. Because when you order online through the Kroger app, you get the same great prices, deals, and rewards on pickup or delivery that you do in-store with no hidden fees or markups. Best of all, you'll know when items in your cart have a coupon, so you never miss a deal. So whether you're a delivery lover, picker-upper, or you shop in-store, no matter how you shop, you'll always save big at Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Special weekend edition of the Death Lineup. We're what six hours before Game Two of the NBA Finals between Denver and Miami. Do you have any quick thoughts on Game One and how you expect the rest of the series to go? Um, I picked Denver in seven because I feel like I've been picking against the Heat the entire playoff series, and I, I can just continue to be wrong every single time. So. I didn't pick the heat, but I picked them to push Denver to seven. Um, but man, Denver, like Denver didn't have the greatest shooting night and they still were able to win by 10. Uh, I, I feel like that might say something going forward, but the heat also Max Struess and Caleb Martin, who have been just like absolutely amazing for them. All playoffs threw up stinkers. I don't know if any of them scored. So both teams shot poorly, but Denver was on, came up on top. Maybe that's the home court stuff, but yeah. I think I think it still could be a good series. I feel like a lot of people see that game one and they're saying, okay, five. Denver. How, mu- how much do you buy into the elevation and all of that stuff? Dude, what the hell? The Warriors went there and we were just fine. Um, I'm sure it, I'm sure it's a factor. It's a factor, but it's not, you know, I think they're overdoing it with Chuck and who else was it? Reggie Miller or someone was. It's probably uh, more of a factor when you had to play seven games in the previous series. Like if they had a break and they had time to get to denver and get a little more accustomed to it it's probably not that big of a deal but i could see it being a a decent deal in game one but by there's no excuses for game two they've been they've been in denver forever now so they should be yeah if the heat win game two it's a completely different series um yeah i I would i I think i would want the heat to win game two too but even if they don't like i still could see them pushing this i could see each team winning the home games and then denver just has the extra one so they win in seven um so yeah yeah we'll, we'll we'll see what a lot of people, you know, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, a lot of people are like, oh, the NBA hates that this is the finals matchup. Mm-hmm. This is the bad ratings. And like, I'm sure they're not like That's entirely pleased. But I mean, as a basketball fan, I feel like who the hell are we to care? Well, did you see the uh, was it Josh Giddy, where someone had tweeted yeah, something yeah. And, and he's like, you know, not not for the non casuals or whatever. Or say, he said something like that. Basically, he said, saying, he said something in support for the. Yeah, if, if you have a high level of knowledge about basketball, this is like a great series. Yeah, this is fantastic stuff that both because you know the whole thing for the Heat is it, it may very well be that the Heat just do not match up well against Denver, but that's why this is so interesting because Coach Spo has made so many adjustments. They lost game one of the play-in. <laughs> like that's, how, you know, that's how far back we're going as far as them having to adjust. And then, you know, in, in three series that they've had to play the last one, they're up three zero and they have to win game seven on the road. So lots of adjustments, lots of, uh, you know, coach Spo has been there before. Yeah. They have uh, what he coached, what two titles, Three. Or did he? Was he coaching? Oh, was three? he? No, I, no, no. I, maybe I it was Pat. Two. Was I think it was Pat, two. Pat yeah, I think Pat been. was. Yeah, he was yeah, probably so. on that. He was on that staff video though, right? staff or something. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, that that's the fascinating piece to me. Uh, the other thing, and I don't know how I think about this, but uh, Coach Malone in Denver, he's this this entire playoffs. He's kind of been like, I wouldn't even say it's confident i would say it's just sort of unapologetic about what they're doing i don't like using that word because i feel like people you overuse it right now but he's like saying stuff where a lot of coaches wouldn't say what he's saying because it would give the other team possible inspiration to get mad or whatever but he's just like yeah here's our game plan like make him beat us and if he doesn't great you know uh, yeah, we made we we wanted Bam to 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 shoot. Yeah, twenty six points, but he took twenty five shots. We'll take that every time. If I'm Bam, I'm like, huh, 
very interesting that my name is coming up here and you're kind of telling us, you know, what the strategy was. So I don't know. It's, it's just interesting. You wouldn't see, you know, Kerr's going to be as honest as he can, but he's not going to give away any of the game plan. So I, mm. I find that to be really interesting. Yeah. Um, I also, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, if, if Miami pulls this off and they win the championship, just like off the top of your head, what you've seen in your lifetime, is this like the greatest title like of all time? The eighth seed, especially with the NBA incorporating the play-in. So technically they were like the ninth seed. I wouldn't say it's the greatest. I would say that we knew that they were much better than they were in the regular series. So whether that's just weariness of the regular season and maybe some bad luck, they kind of, we didn't know this. We didn't know this. No, no, but a lot of, a lot of people like Bill Simmons included were like, if Miami gets in, like it's a different ball game because they're prepared and they, they play the right style and, you know, he was Bill Simmons was just like, I don't want the Celtics to play the heat at all. And, you know, what's funny is um, when when we were looking at the uh, how the plan was going to shape out and, you know, Boston as the was Boston, the one seed or the two seed, the two seed. So they were the two seed. And Simmons is saying the whole time, like, we don't want don't Miami want in seven. the first round. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. They, you he, know, switched, they, he flipped off, though. He, he, he said it multiple times that, you know, he had someone on that was very like hey like I, I i would love to remember what that guy's name was but simmons had someone on probably with two months left to go in the season who was literally like i think the heat could potentially be like contenders at this eight yeah. seed like like and then so it's it, it flipped simmons to be like okay yeah like i am worried about this potential two seven matchup right when he watches them lose to i think it was atlanta he was like yeah i'm off was and- it Haralabob? <laughs> no I, I would recognize his voice it wasn't you know but uh yeah i just i think that like yeah we knew because they were the one seed last year and all they lost was pj tucker so yeah. i mean that is like a kind of a big loss in terms of de- like defense and i guess that's that corner three-point shot but uh, uh but I, also losing losing hero being able to do this without him and hopefully he's it's able just to ridiculous back. and like like Yes, Giannis missed two or three of the games in that first round, but I feel like the Bucks should have still won the series. You know, just mm-hmm. like the they still had like Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, and like technically the one eight. You know, it's not it just wasn't supposed to happen like that. And then they go and beat New York, who you know, looking back at it, New York was a little iffy. But then they go and beat Boston too, and and yeah, looking back at it, Boston was probably a little iffy too. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I guess my point is like, if, if Denver takes care of this team pretty easily, I'm going away with Denver was the best team and the mm-hmm. East was easy. Mm-hmm. That's, those are my takeaways. If Miami wins, I'm probably saying this is the greatest championship of all time, just because of who they beat. They beat Boston, who was in the finals last year, Boston, who I thought was the best team in the league at some point this year. And then they go and beat Denver, who was the best team in the league. Who, know, did, like, right? who did they, uh, they, so they beat, Giannis, and then they beat the Knicks, and then they beat the Celtics to get here. Mm-hmm. That that's a pretty nice run for them. the The way that the uh, the seeding works in the NBA, you know, very rarely. I remember, I want to say the SuperSonics, Seattle SuperSonics. They had Gary Payton and John Kemp. The Dikembo Mutombo led Denver Nuggets. I feel like uh, beat them, but that was a five game series. I think it was a one eight, but it was. I think it was a five game series back then. I also remember the Heat in the late 90s were the one seed. And the reason why I followed the Heat back then is because the Warriors traded Tim Hardaway to the Heat. And the Warriors were never in the playoffs back then. So I was just watching the Heat during the playoffs. And the Knicks were the eighth seed and beat the number one seed. But that might have also been a five-gamer. But that was, I think, the strikes shortened season. So that Knicks team as the eighth seed goes into the finals uh, and there's a really good book about the, those Knicks squads. I think it's called Blood in the Water that I read oh, last Blood year. Blood in the Garden? Blood, oh, Blood in the Garden. It's yeah. really good. Like, if you don't know basketball from back then, like, if your your knowledge of basketball doesn't go back that far, it's really good because it, it really shapes really what the culture was back then and what, you know, how, what the NBA was back then really well. Yeah. Uh, One more question before we dive into Warrior stuff. Yeah. Just watching these two teams, Denver and Miami, you know, when I think of playoff basketball, I think defense wins championships. I think, you know, just having like as much like two way wings on the court as possible is probably going to going to boost your chances in winning a championship. But I feel like these two teams kind of push back on that notion a little bit. So I was wondering, like, 
if you are, especially with the draft coming up or just like team building in general, like what do you take away from these two teams being in the finals of, of just team building in general? Like, do we need to rethink some of it? I think based on if now, you know, we're looking at this new salary stuff with very new eyes and we're relying on people who have some knowledge of it. We have not seen it play out yet. I think the idea is the thing that I take away is if Denver wins this title, you have one signature player in Jokic and then you have Batman in Jamal Murray. And I think that's how you roll. Like Michael, my, uh, Michael Porter Jr., he's a terrific, you know, guy who to make shots when when you need him. But sometimes, you know, he's he's pre- people probably feel like ah, maybe he's not as good as, as his contract. But it's going to be that two star scenario, right? Because as we've seen with these discussions, adding that third player, and this is the discussion I, I've been reading about the Lakers. You know, do they add Kyrie? And if you add Kyrie, then you basically subtract all the bench pieces that help them get to where they got, you know, when they were looking really poor, you know, midseason. So if you have two, I would want a Jokic who you run the offense through and a Jamal Murray, who's just a a, a bulldog of a point guard. And then you just like fill in the pieces of, of these, these, uh, you know, lesser contracts. And I think... If you if if you can run your team through somebody like Jokic, I think you know roster slots three through fifteen. You're like we just need team ball players. Like we just need people like Aaron Gordon, who's like, I just want to win, and I'm going to fit the role that I'm supposed to fit. Andrew Wiggins. And I'm gonna uh, we'll we'll talk we'll talk about that quote because I found that quote to be really interesting when we get to a a later segment because we're going to talk about some of the younger players, but. Uh, for the but but here's where it hurts the Warriors, in that Steph is your one, but who is your second player? Is it going to be Jordan? Is it going to be Wiggins? Is it going to be Draymond? If it's Draymond, then your window is really small. But if you choose it to be Wiggins, then maybe you can extend, uh, you know, wh- whatever the team building around those two players is. I don't know if that's how teams are going to look at it, but it just seems like you're going to kind of start with two stars and build around. And so for someone like Clay, it doesn't sound like, you know, in the current idea of what we know the salary cap to be next year or the year after, it doesn't seem like you'll be able to keep a Clay and may not even be able to keep uh, a a Jordan or a Draymond who, you know, you can't keep him at the salary that, he currently is at because of, of how it works. But you know, then again, Joe Lakeup goes, eh, we'll figure it out. So, yeah. <laughs> so that might be yeah. it. But I, I, I like Denver's twosome. Like, is there a better twosome that you would rather have? Do you, is, is, I, can you think of one? I mean, I feel like when you say, you know, like Jokic runs the show and then Jamal Murray's like Batman, I kind of feel like that's a little bit like what we saw in that 2020 finals with Giannis being the guy and then Chris Middleton kind of being like the Batman, like the late in the shot clock. Someone needs to create a shot and get a shot off. That's Chris Middleton. That's Jamal Murray. Um, I feel like I see some similarities there, but with what, what Jokic and Jamal Murray do with their two man game in terms of just like the, the amount of things they can do just by two of them setting each other's screens. Like yeah. I've watched a video on like how it's impossible to defend them. And they say how many, like a, how many types of, I don't know, basketball terminology as, as well as like, all the different types of pick and rolls you could do, whether yeah. it's, you know, pick and pop, pick and roll. There was some, something called like a flat and go around. I don't, I don't know, but apparently <laughs> they do all of it. And I think what I'm taking out of this is that that kind of duo is going to be really hard to replicate, but like that could be like a version of that duo could be, uh, you know, beneficial for, for team building. And the only similarity I could think of, which isn't a good similarity, but it's 2020, Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, where mm-hmm. Chris Paul and DA would the DA would set the screen. Chris Paul would come off, and he has a lot of things he could do with the ball once he comes off that screen. Whether it's his patented mid range, or whether it's finding DeAndre Ayton to shoot the the mid range like free throw area jump shot, or it's DeAndre Ayton on the roll. I think what makes the Jamal Murray one interesting is that Jamal could stretch the floor and he could shoot from three. Same with Jokic, and Jokic is also a super ball handler, super 
vision type of big. So I'm just wondering if you could find a version of that. I think with the Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton one, like DeAndre Ayton, even though he can kind of shoot a mid-range, I don't really trust it. Like he's not like the best at that. And and then CP obviously not being able to shoot the three ball that well. But I think if you could find a version of, of what Jamal and Jokic do just at a lesser scale, like maybe that's beneficial. But I think another thing that I'm taking out of the Nuggets is that your two best players can run the offense when the other one's off the floor. The Warriors don't have that. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jamal Murray and Jokic do their two-man game. Say Jamal Murray gets subbed out, you're confident that Jokic can run the offense. When Jokic gets subbed out, you're confident that Jamal Murray can run the offense. I think that with the Warriors, you're not confident. Like the whole, feels like the whole story of the playoffs was, you know, Steph versus everyone. Like it, it really was just Steph kind of pulling the guys along the whole time. They don't have their second best player, whether it's Wiggins, whether it's Draymond, whether it's Clay. You know, in the in the playoffs, it obviously wasn't Jordan Poole, but whether it's those other three guys, like those guys could not start the offense, you know, uh, if Steph was off the floor. And, you know, there's an argument that maybe Wiggins could be that guy. Like he was kind of that guy the year before, but he's never really been like a start the offense guy. Like, yeah, he no. has he he does more scoring. Like, yeah, his mid-range stuff was it felt like he was getting more into the groove of things as the playoffs went on. He can't, um, he can't handle the ball. And it's very similar to Jalen Brown. Brown. <laughs> like th- those guys, you don't want them to handle the ball. And that might be Boston's problem too. It yeah. just, in terms of like your two best players should be able to start the off, keep the offense going and start the offense when the other one's on the bench. And so the, uh, the other one the other that way. I like, the other one that I like is uh, Katie and Booker. Mm-hmm. And at some point, and it may be sooner than later, Booker's going to be the the Batman. And and KD is going to be the Robin, right? Yeah. Um, at some point, may, maybe not now, maybe not next year, but sooner, because Booker, I think, is is ready. He's already established himself as a great player. He just needs to win that big that big one. But they may need to reconsider how you build that team, and that's probably where you know the new changes in 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 the coaching and stuff ha- happens. Uh, the other one is, I don't think that the Dallas uh, calculus works of. We just need Luca to be so ball dominant, and then we'll put shooters around him. I don't think that works. I think you do need two players, and you need a player who offsets Luca a little bit. Like it can't be the same guy as Luca, or you know, like Kyrie. Like they they play too similarly, right? So that that's going to be interesting to who they because you have this you know really great player, and he he's made it to the Western Conference Finals. But he seems to have stalled a little bit. And I think there needs to be people, you know, they need to put that team together a little better. But going back to Boston, Tatum and Brown, they're too similar. They're, you know, the uh, you could say, you know, Jalen is is a slightly poor man's version of Tatum. Now, I know there are a lot of people who like actually who like Jalen better than Tatum. And I get it because Jalen's a dog and Jalen's a fighter. And Jason Tatum just, you know, he's just a talented guy, but he, he's, he's not looking to fight, you know, he's not going to fight anybody. Um, but, you know, the, the, if you could find, a, if you can find a guard like a Jamal Murray who fits with Tatum better than what their current rotation is, that's what I would probably try to get. And then, uh, but yeah, like, I just wonder how it affects because, you know, with the Supermax and all this, like, are some of these two-way guys like a Bradley Beal can he be a robin on somebody's team can I think he could. is he good enough yeah you know to to do that could you play him with a big you know there's not you know many jokic's but like you know Embiid right Embiid has Harden but Harden is uh yeah he, he's 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 on his way down he's not on the ascent so 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 for Embiid, you know, can he find a Jamal Murray? Because I think that would be the key to kind of unlock. And I think him they're as well. hoping that it's Tyrese Maxey on that team, um, and I, I don't think they're totally wrong. We'll have to see with that one. But I think Bradley feels. Is, is it going to be Wemby and Jordan Poole in San Antonio? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I'm not ready to to kick Jordan Poole off our team. Dude. Yeah, I think the Bradley Beal one's interesting because you think like he's like a buy low type of guy right now because he's not the best. You know, he's not been doing the best since that 2020 season yeah. or 2021 season. It doesn't have season. a salary that's by but low, then, But his, then, his, yeah, but then you look value. at the salary. But then yeah. you look at the salary and it's like, okay, this guy's like the most paid player in the league. Yeah. Top 10 yeah, or something. Totally. All right. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. 
When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. All right, let's talk about the thing that we were dreading a couple of shows ago. Bob Myers, he decided to step down with his role with the Warriors, and it leaves an opening. Everybody thinks it's going to be Mike Dunleavy. Uh, Joe Lakeup would not show his cards. I'm not sure why they didn't have somebody ready to go. It's kind of weird that. They and and when uh, I think it was Kawakami asked them about the plans for the draft and all that stuff, and Joe was either being coy or being honest, and he's like, "Yeah, we don't really know yet, other than Bob's working until the last day of his contract." And Bob was like, uh, "Okay, I was I was ready to one two three Cancun, but um, what? So what? What was your? You know, it's been a few days. It, it happened earlier this week, but uh, major takeaway: Do you think that this is going to be?" Uh, the first domino in 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 the Warriors maybe not being the Warriors anymore. Do you think they're just gonna plug Dunleavy in and and sort of be the same? I'm not gonna act like I know, like like I knew Bob Myers was good. I knew that the free agency brought in was good. I knew what he did from you know making the top happy in terms of lake up and, and co and then also making the players and coaches happy like i know that's an important part of the job but outside of that like you know i i think it's replicable um i i i, I think he's well one of a kind but at the same time i think someone could f- come in and, and do a similar type of job um i feel like the re- the fact that they didn't have someone ready to go and like we all knew like i, I didn't i probably would have leaned on the side of i didn't think he was going to leave but all the stories this season that the athletic put out like you know halfway through the season and then all the 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 storylines just building up and building up up until this point like you've got to think that they knew this was going to happen like i don't think joe lakeup's a fool so yeah i think the fact that they didn't have someone ready to me means he's still wrestling with is it dunleavy or is it my son um but but to kip to to tim kawakami he was saying that mike dunleavy not being at the presser means it's him because right. he didn't want to take right. the shine away from late uh, from Bob Myers, so I think that's they're, an yeah, they're aspect. they're big, they're really good friends, supposedly. Yeah, uh, but also, uh, I think the report was who did this? Was it uh, this is Matt Steinmetz? You know, he's a Bay Area reporter. I've met him before. He he's he's been around for a long time. He says that he's almost sure it's Dunleavy. I don't know where he. You know, I'm sure he has sources and stuff, but like. Maybe we get that announcement early this week because uh, when is the draft again? The like the late twenties, maybe the thirtieth, even. Uh, I'll look it up while while we talk about this. But um, you know, the, the, I, I'm sure Dunleavy is heads down in the draft. Like I'm sure he's focused completely on the draft. It's the twenty second. Oh, okay. Um, and so he's pro- you know that that doesn't change, and and Myers, I'm sure, is somewhat probably still involved in, until you know whenever they they do let him step down but it just seems weird that you just wouldn't say what everybody is assuming is, is the deal unless like you said like he's still kind of 
figuring out how everybody works together. I can't imagine you put your son in that role right now because the, you know, if you, the idea to put a child or, or one of your family members in a role, you want to set this opportunity for success like immediately. And this is not that time because of this new salary cap, because of this aging roster, because of having to make a decision on clay after next year, having to make the decision with Draymond right now, this is, seems like it's, it's harder than, than it would, than, than you would want to put someone like Kirk Lacob immediately. He would immediately be the bullseye for the fan base and to a lesser extent, just the media, because you know they're going to write, they're going to be writing stuff and following closely. But imagine if the Warriors are like 41 and 41 next year. You're not going to blame Steph. You're going to blame the new management team involved for not getting the right play. Like that's immediately where it goes. So I don't think it's going to be him for that reason. But I could see um, getting more responsibility, being ha- having a bigger voice. Uh, they on uh, plus minus they were making a joke that he's the one that argues with his pops the most about you know uh, about decisions or or whatever they he's the most he, comfortable doing it yeah because you know that's probably been his entire life uh, but yeah so you know I I I just I know a lot of people who have been Warriors fans for a long time and who have lived the Mike Dunleavy experience they're kind of like that guy and the reason is because he is not a dynamic personality. He did not want the spotlight with the Warriors. He was the number three pick in the draft, and he was supposed to be a franchise changer, though that was probably unfair for him because he wasn't that kind of player even coming out of Duke. But when you're the number three pick, and the first pick is Yao, and the second pick is Jason Williams or Jay Williams, you know I had a dream that year? It was a couple weeks heading into the draft. No, right before the the draft lottery. I had a dream that the Warriors won the draft lottery and they were going to get Yao, and it didn't happen. They got number three. Uh, And and so, yeah, he's just not a dynamic personality. He's not a guy who was necessarily savvy with the media. He's not a guy who the fan base loved. They saw him more as a reminder of the failures of the franchise than they did as somebody who was going to help rebuild. And so he never really got a shot, and then they shipped him out, and then they immediately shipped him out, and then they brought back some players that created the We Believe team. So he wasn't even part of the We Believe team. And so that is a very interesting PR move for this franchise because I think it reminds longtime fans of failures more than it does of the successful years that we're doing now. So there's going to be some of that. And I'm, I'm interested to follow, you know, our, our, our buddy, Ben, that's, that's his thing. He's like, Oh, Dunleavy. I lived through the Dunleavy experience. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but you'll have to give him a shot. You'll have to grade him on what he does and what he doesn't do. And, and, you know, not on his past as a, as a ball player. I mean, that is an interesting, interesting perspective because I'm not going to spoil it. Um, I don't know how far you are in succession and I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Yeah, I'm still in like season Who's... two, episode two. Yeah, but but they kind of like hire someone to kind of be the fall guy, mm. like a like kind of like a not cool type of yeah. like that person was excited. They thought they were going to right. change the company. And but really, there was a lot of controversy behind the scenes that that person had to deal with right when they got hired. Press hit him right away. And so maybe maybe that's the Dunleavy Dunleavy takes the heat it's like it's like a nasty chess move by lake where that's how he gets his son in <laughs> the fall guy so that Just fall goes guy down and kirk lake is the savior of the yep. franchise uh yeah so great you know bob myers had so many great moments i you know um i don't even know if you remember this but do you know do you remember when they brought in andre guadala so they bring in Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard comes to a meeting with them, and then he signs with, uh, I want to say it was Houston. Houston. And so, you know, they, they have this big buildup, and, you know, it's all, you got to have the cap room, and you got to shed players. You got to make sure that you have enough money. If, like, what if Dwight says yes? Like, we we have to have the money. And so 
Dwight Howard was, you know, 1A for them at that point. And then Iguodala is 1B. And and Dwight Howard's like, nope, you know, I'm, I'm good. And Iguodala comes in and it's like, wow. You know, to go from Dwight Howard to Iguodala, like from that standpoint in 2012 or whenever that was, you're like, ah, you know, we we just missed the big fish again. But in hindsight, getting Iguodala's like the the A plus move of of the century. Imagine if they would have got Dwight Howard instead. How does that change Steph and Clay and how they play? And Dwight needs his touches and. It would just have been so different, but Iguodala comes in and he's like the Ginsu knife. He's yeah. the utility of all utilities and just makes that team go. And that's just a fascinating thought. And, and you know, Bob Myers and Steph and those guys are, are behind that stuff. And, you know, I'm sure there were other people involved. You know, Jerry West, we haven't heard a lot about Jerry West. And I think last, on the last show or the, or the show before that, I said Jerry West was like the GM. I guess he was never the GM. He was like a consultant but he helped them with decision-making because historically Jerry West was anti-Kevin Love when, you know, they, 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 the brass was like, okay, Kevin Love for Clay. And he's like, nope. <laughs> and that also changed things. Imagine if they, they do that move, Kevin Love and Steph on the same team. It's a, it's a lot different, right? So um, yeah, yeah the, the whole, the whole thing is fascinating. And, and Bob Myers, they, the uh the plus minus guy said his most important trait was just him being able to communicate the vision and the plan, which was a somewhat from Lakeup, but also kind of this this team, this group think, and communicating that to the players and making sure that the players were bought in on stuff like that. So that's the other part of where I, I don't know Dunleavy at all, but he just seems so aloof and uncaring as a player sometimes that you kind of wonder about that personality fit, but Hey, you know, he's just, he's also a smart guy and they believe in him. If he's the guy that'll, that'll be something to watch. Yeah. And, and what you brought up with, with Dwight or Iguodala is, is like kind of like a, like a draft philosophy almost. If you take that to the draft, because it's like, okay, do we go best player available or do we draft for fit? And usually it's like, you want to go best player available because you don't know. Yeah. Like this guy could be, you know, X, this guy could be a first, a team all NBA guy. You just don't want to pass up on this guy just for a fit pick. But, um, you know, that's kind of what the Warriors did, but maybe Dwight signed before they could make that decision. Uh, but the Warriors, you know, like, yes, at that time, Dwight was undisputedly better than Bogut, like coming off of a sure, a poor Lakers season. But before that, Orlando first team all NBA, like almost every single year, like a went to the finals with Orlando top three MVP vote. So yeah, like Dwight was way better than, than Bogut, although Bogut's style might probably helps the Warriors more. Obviously, we see, we see now that that was the case. But if you go Dwight, then you don't go Iguodala. And then it's just this whole domino effect where, you know, it's all context and it's all situational. But that is like kind of like the draft philosophy of, of, of best player available or draft fit. Yeah, totally. So uh, let's talk about well, we're going to I'm going to pull up this graphic here that we have not seen in a long time for you folks watching on video. The Kamudi watch. We did this last year, all year long. It was Kaminga and Moody. When are we going to see them on the court? When are they going to play? How how are you going to bring them in? And the reason why I'm pulling this up is because I want to have a conversation about your thoughts and projections for both of these guys next year. Because if we go back to what I just said about Aaron Gordon... Now, the reason why Aaron Gordon can say, I just want to win, I want to, I want to fit in, I want to do my role, is because he was Kaminga and Moody. He was even a higher pick than both of these guys. I, I believe he was a number two pick in the draft. No, I think he was five. Was he five? Yeah, that was the Embiid, Wiggins, Jabari Parker, uh, Dante Exum. I think it was then Aaron Gordon. Then it was Marcus Smart, Noah Vonley, Julius Randle, somewhere, somewhere in that order. And so he's had his highs and lows, his highs, dunk contest, <laughs> and his lows just playing on some bad Orlando teams and not really getting over the hump. So now he's a vet, and he still has great athleticism. Uh, I still think if I'm the other team, I make this dude shoot threes, and and I kind of play a, 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 
a five on four the other way. Well, did you well, see what he was doing to combat that? I didn't see in game one, but I saw during the Lakers series where I thought they had some success at yeah. giving him opportunities so at three. Kind of what they just like a really quick tidbit. What they did is, is so Miami was like, OK, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to put our worst defender on this guy and just give him the open three. So they put like Gabe Vincent. But then Aaron Gordon was like, OK, I'm just not going to sit here. I'm not going to sit. Well, but he's too line. big for Gabe. Exactly. Vincent. So he would just post. He would just. Instead of standing at the three-point line, he'd crowd the space. He'd crowd the spacing and just sit in the paint and just be like, I'm bigger than Gabe Vincent. Give me the ball. Like, and it was just that easy. So I don't know what, like, and even he was doing it with everyone, though. He was out-muscling everyone. Yeah. He, they, you don't want to put Jimmy Butler on Aaron Gordon or else you can see no, he's gonna get, that yeah, you, you lose. fouls, too. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That, no, that I mean, it's, it's see, this is, but this is what I'm talking about is when you have a game plan and the other team can go, okay, here's how we're going to attack your game plan. And then now it's up to Spo to go, okay, well, that's still a favorable matchup for us. Now, how do we combat what they were trying to do? So that's why I find this whole thing fascinating. But okay, so coming in Moody, I think Moody figured out what his role was in the in the playoffs this year. Kaminga obviously didn't, or else maybe he would have played. And maybe that, you know, we're still uncertain about why Steve Kerr didn't play him outside of some of the general comments he's made about, you know, Kaminga's, you know, still only 20 years old or whatever. Like, sure, like that's an easy excuse. I want to know the basketball reason. I want to know the, you know, the X's and O's reason why Kaminga couldn't be in the Jermichael Green spot in the Lakers series. Uh, so I just, you know, just wanted to know your thoughts because you're big on these guys and do, do they, does Kaminga figure it out like Moody did late in the season? Or does he still go with this mentality that, you know, you need to let me be free. Like I'm a, I'm a bird. I need to fly. And it's really kind of going to kill my next contract. If I don't get the minutes, like, I don't know if that's what his mentality is, but that's what that's my mentality. That would be my mentality if I was him. And I'm sure that's what his agency and, and whoever's close to him is pushing like that. I feel like that's why maybe even that story from the Chronicle came out of like, <laughs> he's like maybe a little unhappy, but I mean, it's true. I, if I'm, if I'm, if I am a agent, I don't know if I want my guys going to golden state just because of, you know, they are not going to play and that is going to affect their next contract because, you know, it's not going to be as much money as if, you know, they had the opportunity to play. And, and especially with Kaminga, like the, the, like Slater keeps pushing it. Like he keeps saying, like, you know, I think that this guy has a potential to be an all-star. Like I could see him as an all-star yes. down the line. And I agree with him. He's he's a six, seven, two-way wing who can guard one through four, who has is experimenting with shot creation, who can he can he can dribble the ball. Like he's he might not be a break your defender down type of guy with the ball in his hands, but he can dribble in the G League Ignite. Again, I keep always pushing it, but he was the playmaker. And then he hit 37% of his threes this year, although that didn't seem to matter. But, you yeah. know, this is a guy who is, you know, has all of the upside of an all-star. And to me, it's like you say, like, is, is Kaminga going to figure it out and do what Moody did? To me, I'm still with you. I'm waiting for what Kerr's explanation was because this guy <laughs> seems to have done what Moody did all year. Be the two-way guy. Be the energy guy. So, I, I'm, I, I, yeah, I, I think that the thing that I think I'm worried about is that, um, I just feel like I feel like they're going to lose if they do do the, you know, bye bye Jordan Poole, bye bye young guys. Like, I'm just worried that they lose the trade and we'll see, <sighs> man. Yeah. OK, here, here's another thing. So not only are we wondering uh, our highest YouTube video from a views perspective in the history of the BSPN channel is our discussion several weeks ago about what happened and why everyone is so like and has the most comments so people warriors fans at least who somehow find our channel they're very interested in 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 what's going on and they have their own theories and they have you know some some thoughts about you know well you know Kaminga just does not play with these guys and in you know, we learned again through plus plus minus because they're so good at their jobs that part of the reason why Wiseman didn't fit is because his minutes with Steph were not good. And if you can't play with the best player on your team, then, you know, maybe you're not the right fit. And he wasn't. 
you know, we'll see if he's the right fit. So I don't think he's gonna be the right fit with the Detroit either, but I wonder, maybe we need to look into these Steph minutes with Kaminga as well. And maybe they found something there where it's like, well, Steph, Steph is playing 40 minutes a game in the playoffs. Uh, and Kaminga has to be a positive with him in, in, in some of those minutes. And he's not. So we're just not going, we're going to play the math here and we got to keep Kaminga off the floor. I wonder if it's something like that, but uh, you know, somebody who knows how to use those websites better than me will we'll have to figure that out for, for me. But, uh, but that's an interesting thing, right? Because we know Steph is such a big driver in their decision-making because he's their best player and he's their best, not, you know, you could go back to 2017, 2018, and it was him or KD. And then some people, instances, people thought KD was, was the Warriors best player. Some people still thought Steph was the kind of the engine, but once KD left, I think there was like a a thought like, okay, you know, Steph's still the best player, but maybe he's not as good as he was. And then he showed out the next two seasons. Like, okay, he is clearly head and shoulders the Warriors' best player, no doubt. And so that's how, I think that's how they viewed the team is he's the best player. And if you can't play with the best player, then maybe the the minutes, you know, you have to find them a different. And maybe this is just like a, unfortunate lesson that they're trying to teach this young guy, which I kind of hate that, but I get it from a coaching standpoint. Uh, but okay. So let's say we head into next season and I imagine at the beginning of the season, it's going to be like, okay, Kaminga, you, you're, you're going to get a shot. Moody, Moody, you know, your role, you're going to play as long as you play defense and as long as you rebound. And then what if they go, Five and five to start the season again. Are we going to have to sit through this Kaminga inconsistent minutes because he's not a great fit because he's a bit of a tweener uh, for for next year? And then you and then it's like this is the third year in a row. I thought he's supposed to be one of these great. Like that's the thing that I don't want to see. And I, I'm hopeful that they find him a role where he can excel, but where he can also shine, which is the best of both worlds. I would play him next to Draymond and play him at the four and play Draymond at the five and see if Draymond could unlock him. Maybe he doesn't even have to be Steph minutes, but that's what I would love to see is, you know, Draymond being able to push this guy a little bit and help him with some of the tactical things that Draymond is instinctually so good at. Uh, But, I'll let you go. I, I had a long preamble because I wanted to get all that stuff, up, but I know these are your guys. So what are your thoughts about next year with these guys? Um, you know, I just keep like wrestling with the idea that like they can't bring back the same team. Uh, you know, I think that I think that the Jordan Poole experiment, like I, I trust in Jordan Poole to be a good player and I, maybe he's a good player next year for the Warriors. But I, I think that Draymond Jordan Poole situation probably just has to go at some point. And I just think that if you're trading Jordan, at his lowest in terms of value, like you've got to probably attach something with him that boosts the value that gets you a, a semi-decent return here. Um, and, and I don't know, I just, again, just keep wrestling with the idea. Like they can't bring back the same squad. And I think that, you know, I, I think that we're, we're, we're about to do the Bryce fits thing yeah. with, where I, I give a draft pick, but like that, that's all, this is, it's all going to be pointless if, you know, they choose the route of we need to not bring back the same team and we need to get a guy back. Let's say it's Siakam. Okay, Jordan Poole, Kaminga, and this first-round pick, Siakam, come. Um, you know, like like there's a chance that 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 this whole segment is fun but is pointless if they – But you know if they do that, if we go back to our previous segment, can Steph and Siakam be the twosome that you build around? That would be an interesting twosome, right? I think you would bet on it, right? Uh, two guys who can run the offense um, at an elite level. Obviously, Steph leaps and bounds above, but Siakam, you know, uh, always a fringe third All NBA guy. So I, 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 I'd buy it. I'd buy that. I, I think they should do that. I mean, that's what I pitched to them halfway through the season. I try to get Clay <laughs> off my team. See, they, um, they're you know, you need to figure out a way to reach Lake up, get get in. Uh, maybe you can be the video coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think if the guys stay, though, like we're just in the same position as last season. But like I think I said at the beginning of last season, I said the goal of one of the goals of this season along obviously winning a championship that didn't happen. But one of the goals of this season is so 
Kaminga and Moody become the guys so you don't have to sign a DiVincenzo, so you don't have to sign a Jermichael Green, so you don't have to sign an Otto Porter Jr., so you don't have to sign a GP2. Like those guys take those sixth and seventh spots in the rotation that are staple guys that you can trust in. Like that was the goal of season two for them. Mm-hmm. You know, with Moody, I think we're there. I don't think you need to sign. So I think with Moody, you are there. With Kaminga, I would have said you are there up until April second of twenty twenty three. You know, like just until whenever the whenever the fi- uh, the first round started, and he just like completely lost his rotation. But you know, I I would bet on the idea that these guys should have a consistent regular season rotation spot. Um, you know, as great as Kerr is, I think that was his mistake was giving Anthony Lamb too many minutes. Um, and and. You know, like is Anthony Lamb as as much as he was the coach's guy who who did everything Kerr wanted to do? Was he really a difference maker of ten wins? You know, you couldn't just put Moody in and maybe take a winner or two less just to get him to that moment of of, of you could trust having him on the court. Um, I don't know. I think you know the 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 two timeline thing fun idea, but uh, you know, the front office invested. Uh, and and picking those guys, they put the development coaching staff around them. But at the end of the day, like Kerr has the say so of if they're going to play or not. And he decided against it. And I think that was kind of a killer of the two timeline plan. And if that's still going to be the guy who's the coach and, and obviously we want him to be the coach, then I don't think you can keep drafting these guys if they're not going to be able to play on day one because they're just going to keep killing their value. The agents aren't going to want them to go there. It's bad for the team going forward because let's say they're the first pick next year and then you have a Victor Wembanyama and Victor Wembanyama is like, I'm not playing for the Warriors if they draft me because, you know, it's just there's a lot of different scenarios that I feel like this can go no, down. I, th- I think the Warriors would figure out how to how to fit him in. Yes, probably. Yes, <laughs> But I just... You know, I, I I can't give you a what I think these guys will be next season because I think this team's in flux in terms of, you know, you obviously need more help for Steph and you obviously need a secondary shot creator when he's off the floor. So that someone that can run the offense and you'd think it could be Jordan Poole, but then you have to factor in Jordan Poole and Draymond Green's relationship that this guy is just mentally checked out. Yeah. And he can't, you know, be on this team anymore with the, the guy who assaulted him still on it. So I just... I, you know, and until a move happens, then I think I'll be more confident on giving more outlook takes because, yeah, I just I just don't think that I think something's going to happen. Yeah, I just want to see I just want to see Kaminga go. You know what? I'm just going to come back and I'm going to be a monster. And then Kerr's just like, yeah, you know, you're still shooting 35 percent, but I just can't keep you on the bench like you're just doing too many good things. All right, last segment. Like you, you already, uh, you already teased it here. Bryce Fitz, you chose, and I guess we'll have two, at least two more of these. You're gonna have to think of two more. Uh, Bryce Fitz, Jordan Hawkins from UConn. He is a sophomore. He scored 16 points a game. Uh, didn't shoot terrifically. Uh, only shot 40%, but 38.8 from three in his sophomore year. On 7.6 uh, attempts. And, uh, you know, didn't wasn't really asked to do much other than score and shoot. Uh, four, four rebounds a game. Not not terrible for, for a two-guard. Uh, but didn't really have many assists. Uh, not, not very many steals either. Uh, but he didn't turn the ball over a whole lot. So what do you like about Jordan Hawkins, six foot five? two guard um i think he's what you want for a warriors backup shooting guard um you know and and i don't want to cap his ceiling uh i'll get into it i think his ceiling you know chaos has got him at shades of rip hamilton and max Struess. i think that there's i think there's a desmond bain potential ceiling in there um but this guy like i don't know if you I'll if take you watch- desmond bain if you watch like two highlights, it's it's this guy just running off of screens, just doing that warrior style, Clay, Steph, Jordan Poole, just running, catching the ball and putting up a shot. Um, uh, one of his strengths is obviously shooting, but movement shooting as well. And that's a, that's a big thing in the warrior system. So I just think offensively, you know, this guy might not create a shot all too well. He is a solid athlete, but he's not really that good at like finishing uh, through traffic or or maybe just creating his own shot off the dribble. But in terms of one dribble pull-ups, catch and shoot threes, movement shooting threes, fadeaway threes, like this is your guy. Um, he is, I, if you, yeah, again, just look at one highlight and look at how he shoots the ball. The form looks like perfect. Like it looks like really good. And so I just think that, you know, 
as an offensive player, I, I look at this playoffs and I'm like, okay, again, Steph versus everybody. Steph couldn't get any help from any of his guys. Like this should be a guy on day one who can bring provide help. Okay. Um, question. May, first question. Cause we were just talking about Moody. Now Moody may actually fit better as a three than as a two, but he'll, you know, he's also, he, he's also a shooting guard. Can can they both play together? Can they both yeah. be on the same team together? Yeah, I think the upside for me when what they when they got Moody was that oh my god, this guy might be how tall is Moody? Six six, six seven. I think he's six six. This guy might be a six six two guard. Like you might have drafted another Clay Thompson in terms of position mm-hmm. for size. Like you like two guards are supposed to be what six four, six three, and you drafted a six six shooting guard. But I think with George, with with Moody is offensively he might be able to be a, a two guard, but I think defensively. He has a he has a hard time keeping up with the yeah, guards. He's more of a three. just laterally. So I think yeah, defensively he's a three. So I could I, I think the fit could work, um, because you know Jordan Hawkins like I think uh, they're still experimenting with or he's still working on you know his his defensively. Um, but some of the strengths I saw aside from the the KOC draft guide, some of the other strengths I saw is that there is defensive upside. Like I've watched him play defense now a couple like uh, like a couple of videos of, of stringing together highlights and lowlights and I don't know I buy the upside I think he's a guy who who definitely you know has the athleticism to stay in front of someone I mm-hmm. think it's just going to be experiments or experience and playing time to for him to build up the defensive IQ uh, to you know anticipate actions that's kind of what good defense is in a way it's like yeah you could have to be athletically good enough to stay in front of people, but it's also just the anticipation of, of knowing what's going to, what the guy in front of you is going to do or knowing what the off ball stuff's going to happen. That's what makes Draymond green, one of the best defenders of all time. So um, I think, I think with, with Jordan Hawkins, it's, it's right now you wouldn't bet on him to be a good defender, but I think his tools and, and, and just playing alongside of other guys who are smart defensively, I think, I think will be good for him. I don't think he's Jordan Poole level bad. Jordan Poole, I think, is the worst defender in the league. Um, <laughs> he's really like, I've, I've been saying this. It's him and Trey Young are the worst in the league. I've been, oh, he, I've been on this early. He, but, doesn't, he doesn't like the contact, and then he likes to try and draw fouls by over-exaggerating the contact. And it drives me nuts because it takes him out of the play when he does that. Yeah. I honestly like if they kept Jordan Poole, I could legit see a Jordan Poole, Jordan Hawkins, uh, like Moses Moody backup lineup like working. Like mm-hmm. I just think offensively, like I I would I would buy that. So again, I don't think they can keep Jordan Poole because the whole thing. But anyway, like I I think that Jordan Hawkins, you know, I would I would urge the listeners to watch you know just two highlights and t- tell me that he doesn't look like he could play in the Warriors system just by how he moves off the ball in terms of coming to catch a shot to then put it up coming off of screens, you know, someone just, just, he looks like a guy who would fit seamlessly into the Warriors rotation. Uh, so KOC has him uh, on his big board, which was updated about, I don't know, last week sometime at 25. So the Warriors are drafting at what? 19. Yes. So, but in his mock draft, which it's been a few, a few weeks since he's updated his mock draft, he had him going, to the Lakers at 17, uh, probably more of like a fit thing than anything else. But the the pluses, you mentioned the pluses. The minuses, uh, KLC says, uh, not a primary ball handler, lacks the handle and wiggle to break down defenders. Uh, under the rim, un- under the rim, at the rim finisher, uh, who would benefit from adding a floater uh, mm. and m- some more touch layups to his repertoire. Uh, and then uh, just just the fact that he didn't shoot great as a freshman. Um, interesting. I don't buy the back. I think the back the the bottom part was like sure wasn't a great shooter as a freshman. But I think you buy the shot. Like literally, just look at his shooting form. Like it looks pure. It looks believable. He's shooting from two feet behind the three point line in college too. So that's like an NBA three point shot. You buy it. What about Ryan Rollins? I don't remember you- what he was coming into the league though. We, we we may need to do a little bit of uh, digging on Ryan Rollins because yeah, like what I, he was like because what if Ryan Rollins comes into camp and he's just <laughs> bawling and we're like you what? don't bet on that one bit just no, no, because, but, like he but, got screwed with the injury like he was he was a little bit of he's he's kind of like a joke on plus minus right like they kind yeah, of you know they'll, they'll make but a little the bit thing of is Ryan's what Rollins I will joke. say sorry to cut you off Jordan Poole was a joke 
going into his second oh, yeah, season, he struggled. Jordan he struggled. Poole was a joke on plus minus, especially on plus minus. Like yeah. Marcus, I remember this vividly. Like I remember where he I was when he said this, but Marcus, <laughs> me and JJ were higher on Jordan Poole than than yeah. most because it just looked like you buy into what he could do on the ball. Like it looks like to me, it was always he was shaking his defenders, he was getting open looks, creating separation. He just couldn't hit the shot. Yeah. But they were making him a joke on plus minus going into year two. And I remember it because Marcus was the one who like kind of like put his hand up all shy. I was like, I think Jordan Poole could be good, but yeah. he like kind of made it as a joke so they wouldn't make fun of him. But <laughs> I, I, I feel like he was legit about it. And then Jordan Poole has a great year too. So yeah, Ryan Rollins is the joke right now. I'd probably bet on him staying the joke just because on we, we he was in the G League for the majority of the year. Halfway through the year, he he's out for the rest of the season. Like he just got, you know, it was unfortunate, but you don't, I don't think you bet on him for a rotation spot. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, all right. I think, uh, I think that's a, a good, uh, oh, we almost made an hour. Um, next time, hopefully we'll get back during the week. We had some struggles with our schedules, uh, this week. So usually we like to, to do Thursday ish. So hopefully we'll be back around that time frame. but if not, you know, we, we, we will try and uh, make sure like today we're on, on, a, on a Sunday, you know, taking time to, to do this. So, uh, but like I said, there's only about 18 days until the draft. So we'll have two more of Bryce fits and then draft day. I think we like, I think last year we came on and we did a live show right after the draft or at least after the first round of the draft. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can do that again. I wonder uh, if the warriors go try to get a second round pick or something. Cause they don't they have they are? Right Oh, so you mean to trade or do you need to draft somebody? To like maybe it's they get rid of the first round pick and get a second round pick. Mm. I don't know. Well, like I think there is like I like I've said about this specific draft is it feels like there is pretty interchangeable players yeah. from thirteen or fourteen all the way to thirty. So right, right. I wonder if the Warriors could say like oh I feel like we and, can they, get the and they guy would we save some guaranteed money. I guess yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah I mean that you could I could definitely see that happen or you just yeah you trade can you can they I I can't remember can they actually trade this pick like there's like some qualification around them trading the step stipian or stepian rule yeah, yeah. I, is that's a good question so we need to figure out how that works but uh but yeah oh, oh uh there's one other thing I, I wanted to mention so for one uh the we want winners will be up uh later tonight rod and i will be back uh, we're on our you know every two week thing right now until the uh closer to the to the season starts there's one other thing I wanted to ask you, but I, I forgot. We'll I'll, I'll probably uh-huh. I'll, I'll remember and then we'll save it for next time. But uh, hey, when's when's Luis Matos coming up? <laughs> well, Brad and I will talk about that tomorrow. Yeah, sure. I, I will go to his first start. I will. Also oh, I, and now I know what I was going to ask you. California Classic is going to be in Sacramento. Oh yeah, we want we're going to try and go. It's literally all day the the day before Fourth of July. We're going to have to take the day off work. Um, but then are you going to summer league in Vegas? Yes. When is that? July 7th. Uh, it starts on a Friday. Um, we're going to stay, we're going to go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That'll be awesome. Yeah. That's going to be so fun. You're going to have to keep me in the loop about what's going on. And when we come back, you'll, you'll have some Intel for us. That's the goal. All right. So that is it for this show for Bry. I am Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. This is Jonathan Macri from the Knicks Film School Podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you are listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team, podcast network, and business operations. Now, they are raising a another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be part of a growing startup. You could invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. Blue Wire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be a part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com backslash blue wire. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.